You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I'm here with my friends from across the country. Up in Baltimore, Maryland, we got Jeffrey Simpson. Howdy, folks. Down in Sumter, South Carolina, I see a motorcycle in your background. We got Dumar Pete. Hello there. And uh, not in the studios, and in his living room, and not with his uh, his, uh, his 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 good buddy. Uh, we got Andrew Larson. Were you just trying to find ways to not make it sound like Tim and I were romantically involved? Is that what that was? <laughs> I we're was not. Gonna try, I was partner. <laughs> I was trying to think of the phrase of like when you um when you have to take a dog on an airplane. What is it called? Companion. Like an, emo- an emotional care dog or whatever. It's like Tim is your my, emo- emotional- my emotional support. Timmy. Tim is your yeah. Tim is your paramour. That's what. It is. That's <laughs> I could, the word, right? That's, I, no, I, I don't that's think your, that's the word. Oh, that's I, not the word. That's a band, but um, I'm pretty sure that means lover. <laughs> I couldn't think of the name. Anyways, guys, well, I'm glad you're here. Um, I just got an email from Taco Bell. They want me to buy Taco Bell. I'm hungry. We're Maybe that's why. Start. Yeah, we're, we're off to a great start. Hey, my kids go- are home from school today, and so oh, yeah? I just ran to get them Happy Meals as you know we were getting ready to record. So, about being a good father, I went and got Happy Meals. And as I was leaving McDonald's, I was like, I didn't get myself anything. I got three Happy Meals because I've got kids at different schools now because of middle school. So I got the three kids in elementary school Happy Meals. And I forgot to get myself something, so I'm eating a ham and cheese. It's very disappointing. You didn't get an adult That's the happy sacrifices meal? we make as fathers. You didn't get the adult happy meal? The adult happy, happy meal looks really creepy. There's an adult really happy creepy. meal now? Yeah, dude. What, what's the toy? Like a bottle of Blanton's? This is sign of the apocalypse, man. It's like, grow up already. You don't need a happy meal. Well, what okay. comes in that? What, what's, I want to <laughs> no, know. Does Play-Doh it. come in it? I think no. that's funny. Guys. It's, first off, it's just a normal meal in a box. That's the only difference between a yeah, but happy if there's no toy. But it comes with a toy. Child. It, it it's a normal meal in a box that comes with a toy. How many of your meals <laughs> no, it come doesn't. with a toy, Frank? No, it doesn't. Does it really actually come with a toy? <laughs> it comes with like a like a figure. I don't know. I, I've never gotten it, but it's like a oh, figure. Oh, right, right. He doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. What's, I've never got it. You know what, though? I have a room in my ma- in my house dedicated to my action figures, <laughs> but I've never gotten that toy. I actually do get Happy Meals because they're great snacks. They're like the perfect amount of food. Bro, this so, is the most unhealthy thing you've ever said on this show. Hey. My go-to Chick-fil-A order when I'm by myself is a kid's meal because it's a five count. You can upsize the drink for like 30 cents, and then you can get the ice cream instead of the, the crappy book they give you anyway. And for another 30 cents, you get the strawberry topping on top of the ice cream. It's delicious. Chick-fil-A at, kid's meal. Check it out. At Culver's, the kid's meal is just an adult meal, but with a toy. So, like, at Culver's, it's literally there's no distinction between the kid's meal and, like, a regular meal. And and instead of a toy, you can get a – well, actually, I don't even think there's a toy. The kid's I meal think, doesn't just come with butter? You get ice cream. <laughs> it, it comes with a certificate for ice cream on the bag. That's right. That's right. Now, you get a stick of butter with every, with every you meal. Should, dude. You, you get a stick of butter on that burger for Bro, sure. Bro, if they did that as a promotion – they would sell a lot. Right now, there's a promotion. They do. I think they do it for the whole month of October. They call it a curd burger, and they have a a cheese curd the size of a burger patty awesome. on the burger per, on the burger, and um, it's a. Does it squeak? Now that's a happy meal. No, it doesn't squeak. I it, I, I I had it the other day. Too much. I can't you, do it. Hey Frank, up there, do you have uh, French fries with gravy? Is that a thing? Uh, a couple of restaurants. It's not yeah, common. You got it all over the place here. Yeah, it's all ranch city down here in South Carolina, yeah. man. You just drown it in that stuff. Yeah, sounds right. Well, hey, we uh, before we talk about more about our weekend, I want to let you guys hear about this. The Practically Pastoring Conference is February 20th to the 22nd. Registration is still open. We have a Pastor Appreciation Month uh, discount for you. If, you. if you use the code PASTOR30, you can knock off $30 off the registration. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Uh, if you need, if you need any of us to personally send an email to your elders or to a deacon or to somebody, um, I'm Andrew will do it. Okay, I'll just, <laughs> Andrew will personally do it himself. I was just about to say, it. or your or your spouse, but that makes me sound creepy if I'm emailing everybody's husband or wife. 
I, I don't want to be that guy. I will email your board. We will be talking board. about you on this show one day if you do that. I, but that would be really <laughs> oh, bad. No. Every time I see a pastor do something stupid, I just think, didn't he have that conversation with his pastor buddies? And didn't they all like look each other in the eyes or in the webcam and say, don't be that guy. Don't make us talk about you. Don't do it. Yeah, probably. So February 20th to this 22nd in Tarpon Springs, Florida, a newly renovated space. It's going to be awesome. We got some fun stuff planned. We want you there. Go it does to look project. awesome. The space looks pretty great. Looks awesome. Go to project they put flooring on the walls. Amazing. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they really it really did. It looks like it. dot com. Hey, so um, uh, how was everyone's weekend? I want to hear how how to go. We we had snow today, by the way. That's nice. all. That's, that's I saw snow yesterday indoors at the second largest mall in the country. Oh, I was not at church. I was on my way home from vacation. Spent a week in the mountains of Vermont. It was amazing. There's mountains was... in Vermont. Oh yeah, dude. I didn't know that. The word Haven't Vermont. you seen White Christmas? Frank, Must be beautiful word, this time of year, all that snow. The word Vermont is French for Green Mountains. <laughs> okay. Get some culture, my friend. <laughs> I'm cultured now. <laughs> no, I'm um, no, it was really fun. I ate uh, a good amount of maple syrup. Um, <laughs> awesome. Spent a lot of time just wrangling kids around, and it was fun. Spent a lot of time with the family, and then this last weekend, uh, our youth guy preached for me, and... Uh, I have to say it was a it was an experience in letting go for me. Andrew, you probably relate to this the most being the small church pastor here. Uh but like I really didn't have to do very much of anything this weekend. Like the the church has gotten to a new place where we actually have a team of people who can I don't have to tell them what to do. Like you know, we uh Frank and I we talked about that, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, setting up for vacation and I actually took my own advice and then just let people do it, and they did it, and it was, I mean, from what I saw on the live stream, everything went really well. We had a guest worship leader. Um, we, I, I got a, a new connection card in my email t- to work on, and uh, a guy preached a great sermon, and so feeling really good about, you know, being able to sort of shift my focus from the little, the little weekly tasks that, that need to happen for Sunday to happen to be able to maybe spend a little more time on strategy and stuff down the road to let people do some of that and develop more leaders, so... That was fun. Uh, but, yeah, yesterday we drove from uh, – let's see. We drove from New Jersey back to Baltimore. Uh, we stopped at American Dream Mall, which is second only to the – what is it? The Mall at Mall of America. Um, it's like a couple million square feet smaller. But they have like a giant water park, a ski slope, uh, a roller co- couple roller coasters in the mall. So it was pretty wild. It was pretty different. And got home last night. And what's fun is every afternoon for, like, the last three days, I've been having, like, a little low-grade fever, feeling exhausted. So that's been really fun when you're the when you're the dad of the trip and you have to load everything from the third floor to the car. Uh, and then when you get home, you know, and I did the majority of the driving. So I'm pretty exhausted. It was a good trip, but I'm pretty exhausted. So I'm looking forward to just, like, a regular uh, week this week. Andrew, you have to unmute yourself first. There you go. <laughs> I, I was trying to. It wasn't It wasn't letting me with the space bar. We had a wild weekend. We had a, a resting elder in our church uh, pass at the end of August, and the family just wasn't quite ready to do the service. And so that was this weekend, and it was just bonkers. You know, it was... I think about 175 people, which doesn't sound like a ton of people if you're at a big church, but in the five and a half years that I've been at the church, we have hit 100 people on a non-Easter or Christmas uh, service zero times. So you know, when, when we are into the 80s or 90s, it is a parking disaster. You know, our, you, most of you guys have seen our space. We don't have a huge space. And so it was it was crazy to have that many people and then kind of to to finish a service that takes that much out of you and it was it was a big service but it was also exhausting cuz there was a deep personal relationship that I had with with John and then to be like oh and it's Saturday afternoon and we still have Sunday coming was a different level of exhausting and then I had no raise to keep me comforted uh the buccaneers laid an egg 
the Rays are out of the playoffs. There's just no source of joy in my life. And so it was a very, it was a difficult weekend. How about you, Dell? How was your weekend? Uh, sorry, I was taken aback by Andrew's lack of joy. So hopefully he's getting it back on the podcast. Uh, my weekend was, it was pretty good. We finished up Daniel this week in church, the book of Daniel. Been going through that. Managed to get through it without, you know, naming dates for the rapture and all that stuff. So that's always fun. Yesterday we had uh, our first family ministries like meetup after church. I think it went really good. If any of y'all listening have ever seen that orange video, it's just a phase. Have y'all seen that video? Oh my gosh. Like, no, I can't get through that video without it like hit me in the, in the fields, even when I know what's coming. But, uh, we showed that just to kind of talk about like what family ministry is going to be like at our church this week coming up. Um, right now we're getting ready for six weeks in Romans eight and we're going to be rolling out some catechisms for children and teens and stuff. So trying to get ahead of the ball on that. But, uh, other than that, man, it was a, it was a pretty good weekend. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if either Andrew and Jeff are going to make fun of me for saying what I'm about to say, or they're going to like, um, be happy for me, but I preached this past weekend and I don't preach again until like the second week of December. So I have like a, a big break before I preach again. And, but I have a wedding I got to officiate in uh, November. I, actually, I want to ask you guys a question about that. But before I do that, I preached this weekend. Um, I finished the, the end of chapter one. <clears throat> it was a sermon on suffering. So those are always fun to preach on. Um, but I got a lot of positive emails um, in the sense that people felt like they were seen and heard and they thought it was good. And, and you know, it was, uh, it, it was good. We have an interim pastor who, uh, who started two weeks ago uh, or a week ago. And he, uh, I, I, I had him drive with me as I go from campus to campus so he can see what it's like so that when he preaches, he knows what it's like. And he's a, he's a great dude. Uh, I can't wait to see what he does in this interim time. Um, and, uh, and this past weekend, the search committee for our church has been assembled and met for the first time. And they met with the ministry or the company that's going to help them find our next senior pastor. So that's been, that was a, that's a cool thing. I'm not a part of that, but I have friends on part of that. So that's been fun. Drop a link. Who are you guys working with? Um, the organization is called P3. Um, uh, wow. I just realized that like, that could be our name, the practically pastoring podcast. Um, uh, it's called P3 search recruitment or should, P3. should we sue them or should we start a search <laughs> Should we start a search wing? You know, we've got practicallypastoring.com, practically pastoring podcast, practically pastoring search. We could we could take their name and have people that Google them show up on yeah. our site. Yeah. Not really. That that would be bad. Yeah, yeah. So I find it so it's it's connected with Converge, which is the the the, the network of Dude, You gotta say in. Converge Worldwide every time you say it. Converge Worldwide. Converge uh cool. It's this not cooler. ConvergeP3.org is the organization we're using, and they do some interesting things that are a little bit different than, say, a Vanderblumen or or some other companies. But like, uh, I, you know, that's that's because we're in Converge. That's the company they went with, and I actually met some of the people that are part of it over this weekend. We were at a conference, and and it seems great. So I'm really excited about uh, the the search coming up. But hey, here's my quick question before we talk about um, some of our stuff that's in the news and, and kind of the big thing we want to talk about. Um, have you ever done a wedding out of state where they, where the, where the family had to like fly you out and stuff like that? I would love to hear like quickly, like what do you enjoy those? Are those exciting? Do you try to do them rarely? Like what are your thoughts about weddings that aren't like within your city or in your church, but there's still a family from your church. Never done it. Andrew, you said, yes, you did it. Right. You're struggling to get off mute. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> I should just click the button and have you guys deal with the clicking sound. I would rather. Uh, I, I would rather. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I've done out-of-state weddings. They they're all weddings you know that I would have done anyway. So you know it's it's funny, Frank. You you and I first met when you were living in Arkansas. But if you do a wedding in Arkansas, you have to register your ordination with the state. Which is tricky because, like, you would you would never think that I've done the vast majority of the weddings that I've done in my life have either been in Texas or in Florida, the cities and states that I've lived and served in, and so it was a little bit unique to do weddings in Arkansas, where you have to know 
which county uh, courthouse your ordination is registered in and that kind of stuff. So if you go into a new state, make sure they don't have weird laws like that. But the the question that I kind of go through is like, would I be willing to travel for this wedding if I wasn't doing it? And I, I think the weddings that I have traveled the furthest for are, you know, my, my wife's stepsister was a wedding in Arkansas that I did. I did a wedding in Arkansas for a former student who then became an intern who is now one of my best friends. I did his wedding in Arkansas. And so those are weddings that I would have gone to. My family probably would have traveled with me to those weddings, even if I wasn't officiating. But I've also done weddings in Florida that were several several hours away. You know, when you're in a state where you can drive for 10 hours and not leave the state, it doesn't necessarily have to be out of state for it to be a, you know, to, to not be a home court advantage for a wedding. And so then it gets into honorariums and that kind of stuff. And hey, if I'm having to buy a plane ticket or if I'm having to book a hotel, is that part of my wedding gift? Is that covered? How does that all work? And it's a really fun, awkward conversation. Yeah, I, uh, I've i not officiated out of state, but I have filmed out of state weddings. And, you know, I think something I've learned from that experience that is very translatable to officiating is what Andrew just said. You got to have a honest conversation up front about what this is, the expectations, because, you know, you film a wedding and you're there 13 hours and then you're editing six or so, depending on your package or whatever. But if you're officiating and you're also doing marriage counseling, you're marking out days. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause you have to like clear out your schedule. And then I understand, you know, this, when it comes to officiating is not about the money, but at the same time, it is like, well, you st- it's still an honorable thing to receive that. And I would not refer to them providing transportation as a gift. <laughs> I would, like me personally, I, I would say that's more like, Hey, you know, when you're setting the expectations up front, so we're going to be married in Florida, you know, what's the plan for transportation for you? What's the transportation for your wedding party? What's your plan of transportation for me? So when you put them all together, it doesn't sound like you're just whatever, whatever. And then it sounds more like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to take care of you. And that way, if there is a gift that does come to you later, it's not seen as, well, we gave you free tickets for two days to Florida, you know? So I think it's okay to be honest up front. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an, uh, this is probably my second, this is my second wedding where I'm officiating it's out of state. Um, and, uh, and Andrew, I got nervous about the whole like uh, ordination thing because it's in Arizona, and so I was like, I wonder what Arizona is like. But Arizona is like super chill. They're just like, as long as you are ordained somehow, you can do the wedding, and it doesn't matter. You don't have to do anything when you get there. Um, so, so that's I'm I'm excited about that. We'll see. It, it comes off the end. So I'm going to a conference in Dallas, and then instead of coming back to Milwaukee, I'm just flying over to Arizona to do the wedding, and then I can fly back. So it's like a fun little like second leg to my little trip to Dallas. So the reason that I learned that you had to register your ordination in, in Arkansas is because my wife was super into the Duggar shows back in the day. And one, there was a guy from Clearwater who I've known since middle school that did one of their weddings. And so that like one of the plot points was that he had to have his ordination certificate overnighted to him. So he could get it to the courthouse in time for the wedding. And so when I was getting ready to do a couple of weddings in a couple of years in Arkansas, my wife was like, Hey, do you remember that episode of the Duggars? And it, it would have made a life very, very tricky. Had she not watched those episodes, I probably could have gone to the unity life church and printed something off on the internet real quick and registered yeah. that with the state. But it was really funny that I, I knew that I needed to have my ordination certificate with me in the car as we drove up to Arkansas. So thanks a lot, Jim, Bob. Appreciate you, buddy. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Imagine you being a background, like you're just doing your job and you're a plot point of a TV show about a homeschool family. It's funny. Uh, But true story. So the one wedding that I did up there, my friend Riley, who some of you guys have met, he, he was in Northwest Arkansas and he was at this big Southern Baptist church that had a school of ministry. And one of the Duggars and their husband was like in this like year long internship program with him. And so they were at the wedding. It was really funny because, again, my wife was – when I say a big fan of the show, I mean it was kind of creepy. And Like you so had posters and stuff. No, not quite posters, but I think she bought like a cookbook and something else from the family. Anytime my wife buys a book, 
it's it's a bad thing. She bought the Jessica Simpson wedding planning guide when we were engaged. You know how that turned out. Oopsie. She bought a, a a John and Kate plus eight parenting book. So when she was buying a book that the Duggars put out, I said, Melissa, you know what you've done when you are into reality shows and you buy their book. It it destroys the family and their influence. So it's my wife's Re- fault. Reverend maybe maybe Mitch- Josh Josh should have uh, used that in court. Hey, I didn't mean to be such a creep. This was Melissa Larson's fault. Yikes. Melissa Larson. We, could, we can edit that part out maybe. Uh, no, this is raw. Melissa Larson really likes uh, reality television, huh? Like uh, she, she, not a lot of dramas or comedies. No, there for whatever it was worth, it was it was a phase of several years that uh, you know I think every TV network was putting all their money into reality shows because they're way cheaper than scripted shows, and so it was on, and it's what it's what we were watching at the Larson House first season. Yeah, I mean, look at Netflix; it's all reality shows now, almost. Anyways. Well, uh, let's dive into some uh, something that happened in the news recently, or it just came out of it was newsworthy, but it came out. So uh, there's a documentary coming out. I believe it's on Hulu, right? But um, but through FX is that? Am I saying that right, or is that not the right? Uh, yeah. Why do I think FX is involved? Anyways, uh, it's called God Forbid, and it's going to be uh, a documentary about the. The Falwells and Liberty University and and it seems like and this is interesting because I don't remember before this knowing anything about the actual pool boy, and so this seems like like the pool boy kept quiet until he got that paycheck from Hulu to do this documentary or something because I don't remember ever hearing about who he was and stuff like that. There was but, a few like news articles, but yeah, not much. Yeah, yeah, and so this is like it seems like it revolves around him. And like him, the story from his lens, which is a crazy idea. Uh, and then, uh, and then it goes on to take a deeper dive about the Falwell's influence with Trump, and whether or not the reason why all this went public, even or the reason why Jerry Falwell Jr. was so endorsing Trump, was because Trump's people had like they knew about this and they were like putting it over them to force them to to support. Him. Anyways. Very dramatic, very, very wild. And so my question to you guys is this, is when we listen to Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, you know, at the end of the day, you know, even from um, our interview, um, you know, one thing we talked about is is whether or not Christianity Today was doing it as a way to help the church or just sensationalize failures in the church, right? And I'm sure you could say it's probably somewhere in the middle, if, you're, if we're being honest, like there's, there were definitely probably storylines in that podcast, in the Mars Hill podcast, that probably didn't have to be added to the podcast, but it it made for some interesting conversations here on this podcast, right? But um, but then you had the Hillsong uh, documentary, and that was made by what was it? It was a Discovery, like a hundred percent. It was like, look how bad this is, and there was no like. This is sort of like a redeeming quality to it in terms of how can it help the church other than don't be an idiot like them, right? Um, so with this coming out, it's not necessarily the church as much as it's a university president, but he's a, he's a big figure amongst uh, conservative evangelicalism. I guess my question to you guys is, is this good or another bad thing for the church? Is this going to be another like week of uh, of of the church is looking terrible in the news or is there going to be something redeeming in it it's made by people who are not redeemed so i would say probably not you know to me this just is like secular church porn like we're gonna put up this other figures and bash them again and don't google secular church porn do not do that <laughs> i but don't like, know what i don't know what's going to come up if you do that but but like that's it's what like the culture around us loves like they love seeing the failures of the church or people who are part of the church, you know, worldwide. And whereas sure, it's going to bring some things to light, but is that a conversation for the masses? You know, is that like, this is, this is some serious in-house church discipline stuff. It seems like there's other agendas behind it. I watched the trailer and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I wouldn't let, my children watch this trailer just because it's like Jerry Falwell cut with women in G strings. And I'm like, no, I, I don't think it doesn't look like it's going to have a redemption arc. It doesn't look like it reflects any aspect of what is holy in the church when it comes to calling out sin. 
I think one of the big differences is that there was still a pretty big camp of the reformed bros or whoever it might be that leading up to the rise and fall of Mars Hill were like, you know, Mark got the raw deal. We were mad at him in 2014 for the immaturity that he showed in 2007 and the fruit speaks for itself. Yeah, yeah. So there were, there was still a good camp of people that were defending Driscoll when the podcast came out. The vast majority of even Liberty people that I know didn't think Jerry Falwell Jr. should have been the president when he was. It's Exactly. The, there's an interesting parallel with him and Trump because I think evangelicals kind of felt the same way about both of them. It was kind of you have to admit this is just pragmatism, and I'm a current Liberty student, so I, I get it. I, I enjoy cheering the football team on on Saturdays, and they wouldn't be as good if it wasn't for him. However, nobody thought that he was an actual evangelical thought leader when he was claiming to be. I think everybody kind of saw through him for at least a decade or so. I think where I struggle is that, you know, you put that in the notes. Is it good for the church or bad for the church? I, I just think that's a category mistake. Like, I don't even know if it's good or bad for the church. It's It's like... I don't know. We we don't have the same standards of what's good and bad, you know, like in terms of like the way the world does marketing. That's not how the church operates. This reminds me a little bit of when uh, Trump called muscle Russell Moore a nasty guy and Russell Moore basically turned it around and was like, I am a nasty guy. That's the whole point of the gospel. And I know that like the people making this documentary are not going to say, well, this is the whole point of the church is that it, you know, the church welcomes anybody, even these crazy sinners. But as a church, we can say that, you know, like, yeah, another leader fell. We don't want it to keep happening, but there is redemption in our salvation, you know, framework. Whereas in the secular framework of salvation, there is no path for redemption. If you fail, you're just gone. And there really is no like way to be redeemed. So for me, I just, I mean, I'm not going to watch it, but uh, do I think it's good or bad for the church? That's like, I'm not even asking that question in my own context. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think that like, this isn't, you know, the intentions of the, the writers, the producers is not for us to, 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 to talk about. And I will say that, the, yeah, the, our edification is not the goal of the FX yeah. network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Hulu. I, I, I tried to figure, see where I got FX from. It's for sure a Hulu original or whatever. But I do think that, like, uh, um, that I, one thing that I'm, I'm curious about is, is just like, it's, it's very, it's gonna be, it's, it seems like the information that's already been out is fairly damning, right? So, like, I'm worried about like the information that is. Uh, more more information can come out, how much more damning it is. I think the part that um, might be illuminating is the relationship, like the relationship between him and Trump and, and, the, and, and, and how this failure on Jerry's part ties to that. Does that make sense? Like, was he being extorted? Was he being coerced? Like, that's interesting. I mean, that, a lot of that, people would be interested in that. That's interesting, simply from an interesting standpoint, whether it edifies the church or not, may, maybe it should be a lesson of, uh, of being careful who you have bedfellows with. That's an inappropriate joke because of what the content but of it's, the podcast. But, but is it, though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or is it an inappropriate joke or is it just a literal joke? It's, it kind of is both, yeah. So, but, um, but I don't know. I mean, like, I have Hulu. Will I watch it? I might watch it. Um, and then I can report back to Jeff and tell him this is this is like how Breaking Bad is. You guys can watch Breaking Bad. I won't watch it, but you can tell me if it's good. I'll tell you about about God forbid. Well, like here's, I mean, to me the the question that I was thinking through, yeah, will we watch it? Should we be watching it as Christians? And I think somewhat as as Christian leaders too. You know, as pastors, I know for me, when I when I stop and think about why do I want to, would I watch this? The motivation for me is voyeurism. Like for me to watch that show, the only reason that I can find in my heart why, who I really want to know, it's it's, it's voyeuristic. Like I just I want to see something. Now go I watch it, Frank. I I want to see something I shouldn't see. And you that's perv. Good, that, yeah, that's not good for my soul. So I'm not gonna watch it. Um, yeah, you know, and that, that's just a that's just. I mean, 
that's true with any show. I think that's the question you have to ask. And that's so much. I mean, that's almost all marketing now. Almost all, like, anything you see on influencers online or any kind of marketing, it's all, like, reality TV is completely built on voyeurism. It's just yeah. seeing something you're not supposed to see. And for me, that's not good for me. So I'm not going to do it. Well, and what's what's interesting about the, any of these reality things that you bring up good points, Jeff, is like it's going to bring up an element of these are the facts we know, but these are the things we suspect. And then it's just going to it's just going to further consolidate the divide. Right. Because you're going to have some people saying, see, there's reason to believe there was collusion between them, two, And then the other people are going to say, no, that's just um, speculation. There's nothing there. And it's just going to further divide the division that's already there, because that seemed to be a pretty prominent push in the advertisement that, Hey, we're going to bring up some stuff here. That's going to sling mud this way. And I'm like, do, do, do like even a Liberty, you know, with Liberty alumni, I feel for them. Cause like, do they need any more division and pain right now? Probably not. You know, but I think that this is going to throw a lot of that speculation and division right back into the ecosphere. So I am I just finished a, a class in my demon program at Liberty on Friday and the last le the last lecture in this class was talking about uh, ministry leadership and legacy. And the, the videos were filmed in like 2017 for this class. So it's probably time to update them anyway, because if you're using a five year old video, I mean, it's a. So one of the joys of, of online education, you record the class once and you get paid for at least five years. So way to go. But he was talking about the the legacy in ministry and he was recording the video from the Jerry Falwell Museum on campus. And he was like, you know, how, how great is this ministry that here I am in this museum that's dedicated to the one person that planted the one church and then decided that we needed this university and that's what your legacy can be, and now his legacy continues with this program that you're in, and even his son now in the as the president of the school. And I thought, ooh, that is unfortunate. Time to and update. Time to update that video, not just because that style of sport coat isn't quite as cool as it was in 2017, but also because, oof, that is that is not a good look. Well, Andrew, as pretty someone sure got, who goes pretty there, sure I got an A in the class yeah. though. <laughs> Andrew, as someone who goes there, like how that how has all this affected the climate of just being someone who attends Liberty? I have been there, you know, he was already gone once I was there. Okay. But the the people that I know that were actually alums who did their undergrad there and were actually on campus, I don't think there's anybody who is lamenting that he is no longer the affiliated with the school. I think they there's lament over the the blight he made on the school's name, but I think the vast majority of the people on campus are kind of thrilled that they're, they're done with him because it was, it, he made things more politicized than they needed to be. And who knows if the reason for that is about to come out on Hulu, but I think the vast majority of people on campus, specifically in the school of, of divinity, where I spend my time and by spend my time, I mean, you know, the people I have to email back and forth with, I don't think there's anybody in that program that is heartbroken that they're not seeing Jerry in the dining hall. Um, well, if if you want to watch God Forbid, it comes out November 1st, I believe, on Hulu. Um, and if you don't want to watch God Forbid, that's fine too. Read a book. <laughs> read a book. Or read Jesus and John Wayne. And that's kind of probably why I'm like kind of like interested in this story is because Jesus and John Wayne kind of like foretold a lot of what's happening right now. Actually, I'm pretty sure Jesus and John Wayne was published after the scandal came out. So I'm pretty hey sure. Hey, bro, be free. Your weaknesses are not my weaknesses. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. I, yeah, yeah you're true. Anywho, let's uh, dive into something that is uh, uh, not as. Um, I mean, maybe it will be debated because this is actually kind of a controversial comment uh, statement that we're we're going to enter into. Are you going to have in-person services on Christmas Day, on Sunday? So, yes. overall, over, oh, okay. Overall, yes, no. Overall, I want to talk about Christmas planning. Like, what are we doing? Stuff like that. How are you planning it? And yeah, it's a weird year because Christmas Day and New Year's Day. New Year's Day doesn't matter as much, but Christmas Day and New Year's Day are both on a Sunday this year. How have you planned for it? 
Okay, Andrew, keep going with that. You're having Sunday. Are you having Christmas Eve? Yes. So we'll have Christmas Eve will be a big service, um, you know, for for us, that probably means 125, 130 people when our typical Sunday is about 70. And so we'll be – it will be a 180-ish percent of what we typically have for Christmas Eve, and it will be candlelights and carols and all the good stuff. And then Christmas morning will be um, in our fellowship hall, and we've got some older people that – some don't have a lot of family nearby. Some just don't have family. And so we'll do kind of what, Jeff, you were there the day after Christmas with us last year. And we had awesome. kind of the, the, the Christmas potluck style thing where we had breakfast casseroles and French toast. And it was about a 40-minute service. So, you know, go tell it on the mountain and and a 25-minute sermon. And everybody eats together and says Merry Christmas, and then they go home. And so Dude, we'll, we'll do something similar. made the cinnamon rolls that day? I did. I made oh, everything. Man, well, so I didn't make good. everything. I was making everything, and then my wife was like, why would you ever do this? We have so many people in our church that love to cook. So, But it the I made two different types of breakfast casserole because we've got some gluten-free people in the church. I Killed made it. Uh, two different types of French toast casserole, about 36 cinnamon rolls, and Amazing. hash brown casserole. You know what the cinnamon rolls gave me vibes of? Lake, Lake Aurora. Aurora on a Friday morning. Mm. Oh, I love it. The best, and they, it, they're they're the uh, the Pillsbury Sam's Club Cinnabon exclusive. You can only get those ones at Sam's Club. They come in like a four pack, I think, and it is a Sam's Club exclusive. My interest so, is peaked. Yeah, they're delicious. It should be. They're that good. Jeff, what is your Christmas plans? Uh, well, to expand it out a little bit from just the weekend, we are so in the fall. In the summertime, we do. Um, like every six weeks we do a Friday night, um, bring your own dinner and game night, like table games in the fall that shifts to uh free outdoor movie night, uh, from like, like October, November. Um, so we're in that right now. And then when we get to December, you know, it's getting kind of cold to do movies outside. So we'll, we might do one more indoors, but on December 16th, which is a Friday night, we're going to do a, like a Christmas cookie and movie night indoors we did it last year and it was really fun um last year we watched like polar express and everybody brings like two dozen cookies to share and then um and then on the 19th which is i think the next monday night we're gonna do a blue christmas service which is uh we've talked about this before i think on here but it's a service for people who have uh like lost someone in the last year or uh are dealing with some people just really deal with depression anxiety like hardcore at the holiday season uh, so it's, 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 we call it a service of hope and healing. Some people call it a darkest night, uh, service. It's usually falling on the longest night of the year, uh, sometime around that second week of December. And so we do that. And then our plan are still written in pen, not in stone yet, but also not in pencil. You know what I'm saying? It's like pretty much this is what we're going to do. We are going to have a Christmas Eve candlelight service. At like probably 530 because uh, it'll be dark then. And uh, then on Sunday morning, we will have an online only service. Um, we debated Heretic. This. There it comes. We debated this and uh, we had both sides. And basically all the people that have kids were like, oh, Christmas Eve, but not Christmas morning. And uh, pretty much I caved. So I'm just pandering at this point. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We debated which one we were going to do because, you know, we have a small team and we didn't think we could pull off both services one right after the other like that. So we were like, either we're going to do put together a Christmas Eve online service and then do Sunday morning or we're going to do uh, Christmas Eve in person and do Sunday morning online. And then our plan for the next week on New Year's Day is a little bit like what you said, Andrew. We're probably going to do like um, kind of a breakfast, maybe just one acoustic guitar worship leading a short lesson uh keep the kids in with us give all the workers like uh, a break where they can just come to church and not have to like serve or do anything i think the the biggest part of the of jeff's site which makes a whole lot of sense is especially if you have a smaller team to say hey yeah. we need all hands on deck on saturday night and then we need you back here on christmas morning that that yeah. is a big ask so that's what you know our We'll have our full band on 
Christmas Eve. And then we will have, you know, an acoustic guitar, it, it, our worship leader and his wife, and that's it on Christmas morning. Especially, too, when, like, one of the things I'm saying a lot in my conversations with people is, like, hey, you don't – I don't want you to do too much. I don't want you to be overly busy. Just kidding, though, at Christmas, I want you to kill yourself, you know, with overly working yourself. So uh, I just felt like it would be inconsistent for me to do that. So we're going to – with the worship team, sometime around Thanksgiving, we're going to – Really lock down like a recording day, and we'll record all the songs and stuff we need for the Christmas morning online service, and I'll do a short message. It'll be a throwback to when we used to do COVID stuff. And, uh, yeah, so that's our plan with it. Well, uh, for us, we're doing similar. We're not having Christmas morning, but there's still something happening on Christmas. But we are doubling our Christmas Eve services, and we're really doing a big ask for people to um to come out there almost as if you would treat it like chris sunday morning and then sunday morning we're going to release probably some kind of video online but not necessarily a sermon video for us to be more like a creative video where we might go around sumter and have people you know sharing different things maybe reading the christmas story people who are influential around our community so that way um on Christmas Day, we really can bless all of Sumter with familiar faces, proclaiming Christ, doing things like that. Um, so it won't take too much of people's time, but it'll also be something a little bit different. Um, it'll obviously be more more labor intensive on the front end, but I think that that'll be a, a big push for us uh, in a good way to help this to edify the community. And also, um, you know, last time it was Christmas on Sunday, I was working. And, you know, when we were there, I mean, you're at church. It's, it's cool. You know I mean, like if you got Christmas on Sunday, go for it, you know, but I, I know all of us had our, what they call the, they used to call the game day faces on and, uh, which is like, we're awesome. But even though like, you're like, but I'd really rather be with my grandma cause this is probably her last Christmas alive. And, and, and when I got done with that day, if I'm just to be honest, there was an element of me is like, I'm glad I came to church for that reason. But I also felt like I was, I was on some level fake because I wanted to be quite honestly with my, with my family, you know, cause we do have, we did have some near to end of life. So I, I like the fact our elders have gathered and said for our context in our congregation, we're going to be uh, just changing it up the next week. I'm really excited the week after Christmas. Um, one of my former students who's now at Southern seminary, he's going to be coming and preaching January 1st. And it's really cool because his parents um, are joining the church, like like literally this month. And what a cool surprise it's going to be for them when their son rolls up and preaches at their family's new church. I think that's really cool. We um, So I'm excited that we talked about this because we actually had like a pretty deliberate conversation about this. So last Christmas, we were looking ahead and we were like, Christmas is on christmas day is on a sunday and the entire staff i would say most of the staff was trying to talk with the executive team to already plant the seed of us doing not doing it live in person but to do um to do a video um and so we've been we planted that seed for several months and then um and then uh around summer is like when we agreed that we would do it like that but we didn't actually have any details and then this is the so about the time that the executive staff knew that they really needed buy-in from the staff because the senior pastor was resigning. Cool. Got it. Makes sense. <laughs> Just too late for the creatives to really do a good job. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Guys, you guys are <laughs> insinuating. All We've all been there. It's not, none of that's true, actually. So, but anyways, um, we, um, so we're going to do like a two-part Christmas series. One is going to be the Sunday before, and then the second part is going to be on that Christmas Eve. Um, and, and so... And that's exciting. And um, we are still doing how we normally do where someone preaches from one campus and it's streamed out to the other campuses. And so I will be doing that, preaching from – I'm actually preaching that Christmas Eve service. So, um, so, so you know, a couple campuses have two services, a couple campuses have one service. Um, and then the Christmas Day is going to be pre-recorded worship and a pre-recorded um, message that's going to be recorded nice like in a studio. And we're going to put it out like really, really nice, well done. Not like just put a camera on the stage, but like something that's really well done. I've been joking with the creative team that we should like 
find like a really Christmassy looking like fireplace and have them like ha- you know have the preacher sit in a rocking chair you know reading God's word and, and do more like a homily as opposed to like a full blown sermon. Dude, find you a really nice Panera. Some of them have really cool looking fireplaces. Actually, that's kind of, you're, you're not yeah. you're not you're not wrong. Um, so uh, I think that what we're doing is is that and then. This is kind of the bigger, like the probably the biggest twist is on Sunday, Jan- uh, January first. Um, we are going to do. Uh, okay, before I say this, at your churches, January first, well attended, poorly attended. What is it? Usually pretty rough. Pretty rough. I'll let I you think know. You, at every church on the planet, it is a poorly attended Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of times you put, like, your youth pastor there. No offense to youth pastors listening, but, like, youth pastor, someone who doesn't preach at all regularly. That, that's a seminary thing. student whose parents just joined the church. Oh. Right. Oops. My head, my head I love you, Corey. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, that's one thing that we're doing is something very different. And when we do this, we're going to make it a bit more meaningful. We're having every campus all at one campus, one service. And so we're going to go, we're inviting everybody from all four campuses who are in town that day to just come to our largest campus and we're going to have a worship service. And I, my only qualification is that the sermon, we, we, we put someone who's preached before, you know what I'm saying? If we're going to do that. So that's the day when you'll actually be a church all in one <laughs> assembly. Got it. Yeah. Some non-marks reality. <laughs> Not, yeah, not, not, not only will Nine Marks be happy, but the fact that we're only having one service, not two, like Nine Marks will be like, because I read a book. You double did it right. And that service is to release it. all the churches to be their own independent yeah, campus no, churches. Be, yeah. Stop I'm so wow. proud of y'all. Epicos, so way proud. to go, guys. What are, are we doing, man? It's like, it's like y'all finally read the New Testament. I am so excited. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. Hey, hey new leadership, man. New leadership. I got a question for you, guys, for all you guys. When you get to, because Frank, you said you're doing a two-week series for Christmas. We usually do this. It's this four-week series. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's historic in the church called Advent, and uh, we do. I'm it familiar. <laughs> we, we light a candle each week. There's this wreath in the middle. It's pretty I cool. Wish be, uh, maybe people can see your face because I really you didn't get that till right as I said the punchline, which is really <laughs> satisfying. Um, no, but how do you handle when you start singing Christmassy songs? What do you guys oh, do? This, I mean, I think once December hits, you can. You, when Delilah you, starts playing them, we start worshiping with them. That's my rule. <laughs> when Delilah starts playing them, when I don't Delilah get that. starts playing them. You, oh man! You start sprinkling them in your service, like at the beginning, like after Thanksgiving, and then you do a full thing on Christmas Eve. Delmar, right? well, you don't know yet, I guess, right? I don't know, but I'm okay if we start on October 30th, baby. That's when I decorate my house for Christmas. Yeah. Not a big Advent guy, I see, huh? No, I I, I, li- I like Advent. I like I like all I like a lot of the traditions. When you and grow we, up Baptist and you never see it, the yeah. first time you see it, you're like, oh, this is really meaningful and it has a lot of history. And I'm a huge traditional, anyways. Yeah, we we lean into Advent pretty heavy. So the Sunday bef- or after the Sunday before Thanksgiving, um, the we we have. Eight or eight or ten uh, people with a decorative eye that stick around to do all the decorations because then we're not really in the office the week of Thanksgiving. So then the Sunday after Thanksgiving is when Advent begins most years, unless yeah. it's a fourth Sunday, not last Sunday of November, right. or fourth Thursday, not last Thursday of November situation. But so nine years out of ten, um, the week after Thanksgiving is the first Sunday of Advent. So yeah. by the time people are showing up, uh, it is. Adventized. I don't know if that's a word or not, but so the the worship center and our fellowship hall are decorated, and then you know we do the we do the advent candles each and every week, which is kind of nice because it replaces the call to worship. So I'm not googling call to worship on this topic on my way yeah, to church on Sunday morning. So we uh, we we lean into the advent season pretty hard. Although our worship leader, um, the the one who chooses the song, Cheryl, she went to. Uh, Greensboro University on a voice scholarship. And so she was the person singing in the Christmas concerts on October 30th for all of high school and college because she's she's got that kind of a voice. So as a result, she would prefer if we didn't start singing Christmas carols until Christmas Eve. So I kind of have to lean on them a little bit. Like, hey, we've got Christmas trees in the worship center. We're lighting candles. 
I'm wearing a a Christmas tie. It's time to sing joy to the world. It's you know it's time to sing O come all ye faithful or something. So I think the idea of a Christmas carol uh, or two the first couple weeks, and then by week three and four of Advent, it is it's Christmas. Yeah, we usually ramp up like that. We start with maybe one, and I try to go more Advent songs. So you know, um, O come come O come O come Emmanuel. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and songs like that. So we might do that one song the first week of Advent. We add actually add quite a bit more like readings and there's a Advent creed we've been using for a couple of years. It's pretty cool. And we like the candles and I try to make that up. Um, I'm really going to try this year to really have our kids be involved with some of the, like come up with their parents and help them light the candle kind of thing. Cause our kids are in the worship service now and, uh, we've really got like a good, we, we have a different family. Do yeah, it each week, exactly, which yeah. is then always like you know. Do we keep the Larson family as the the mm-hmm. fill in just in case somebody forgets and doesn't show up or something? And then my kids are, hey, we haven't gotten to light it in three years, but keeps it. We, we try to have it. Yeah, we try to have a different family light each and every week. Yeah, so, so we'll I do, we'll do all that stuff, and uh, and then by the time we get to Christmas Eve, it'll be just all Christmas songs. I I think in our church we because um, Milwaukee is so Catholic and Lutheran. It's almost like anything that's remotely Catholic or Lutheran, we want to make sure we're not, like, dipping our toes too much into that. And I, I feel like it's almost been, like, an overcorrection over the years yeah. to the point where, like, um, I, I, I would argue that I bet you – like, I know our kids' ministry, we do ad, they do Advent stuff for the kids. But, like, in our worship services, there's no, like, true Advent things. And there's enough staff at our church that would love to do more Adventy stuff. Um, but, uh, but, you know, new leadership, new rules, right? We'll see what happens. But, hey, you, you made me think of something, Jeff, and I would love to, to kind of wrap up our time with this. Um, obviously, something about Christmas, like we all do similar Christmas songs. What is the um, what is your favorite Christmas song that you get to sing in church? And, Jeff, you said mine. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel slaps, bro. That song is, that song is, is awesome. I love it. What, what, what's your favorite Christmas song to sing? Oh, Holy Night is my favorite in church. Oh, Holy Night. But Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays by NSYNC. Still a banger. <laughs> sure, for sure. I thought you said some Mariah Carey, bro. Um, I am looking at the lyrics right now, but I'm pretty sure it's Hark the Herald. Uh, that line, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Mm, gets me every time. I like some that. Of the- you know Give me ironic? that Trinity theology, baby. You know, you know what's ironic? Some of the churches with like really shallow worship have some of the best theology on Christmas because oh. Christmas music has like such rich gotcha th- theology. Delmar, what's your what's your jam? Oh man, uh, Citizens and Saints, Joy to the World. It's, it's oh, good. that is such a good. It one. is so good, but it also sounds like it could be an Old Navy commercial. I am. I'm super. <laughs> and old I'm Navy and Christmas. Yeah, they go it together, really does, right? Yeah. They're, now there was an old Navy it? Christmas commercial on during one of the football games I was watching this weekend. Like I like paused it and rewound it. I was like, Melissa, get over here. They're showing a Christmas commercial. It's October fifteenth. There's oh. also um on that I think it's on that same album, there's Come and Stand Amazed, which is an old yeah. Dutch hymn that's really good. And then uh Dustin Kensrew on his Lowborn King uh Christmas album has an old hymn called Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence, which is really, really great. All so the those bars, are, let, Mars Hill Music look, look. made such good Christmas yes, covers and hey, songs. You want to know really a song that you got to listen to and sit down and listen to lyrics is uh, Poor Bishop Hooper. I think it is. I'm looking it up right now. We prepare for this show. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Bishop Hooper and the album, it's like uh, a Christmas album. And I think the song is called Christ. And it just takes you through the entire uh, lineage of Jesus. Uh, in a song that's really well done. That's cool. You ought to Love post it. that in the uh, Practically Pastoring group so we can all okay. check it out. Sure. I'll t- on right, a, on so a slightly less, you know, worship, I, I really, are y'all fans of like Bing Crosby Christmas, old oh, school? Dude. Cool. Ooh, absolutely. All right, Love so ben, ben Rector's Christmas album oh, yeah. is yes. phenomenal. So He's one of my favorite artists already. His Christmas album, I can just listen to that and get most of my Christmas like holiday fix. I, I was going to say, what is what is your favorite non- churchy christmas album what's what's your go-to i mean i don't know i'm a spotify ager i guess so i just have uh, crooner christmas and i just go with that and it's pretty good see i i grew up in an indie fundy baptist house so the only time of year we could listen to what other people were listening to was at christmas right yeah 
uh, the, the Beach Boys Christmas album, incredible. Um, my yeah, birthday this. weekend, my family is going to Epcot not to go on the Guardians of the Galaxy ride for the 18th time, but because Hanson is playing the Food and Wine Festival, and my wife's favorite album of all time is Hanson's Snowed In, their first Christmas album. So we jam out to that pretty hard at my house. Wow. We're, we're very cool. Very, very cool around here. Frank, what about you? Favorite uh, go-to Christmas album? Album? Oh, I, I was going to say, like, song. I mean, I guess album. I, the Reliant K's Christmas album. You guys oh, remember that's that one? Oh, yeah. Just, let it LP. snow, let it reindeer. I'm familiar. Yeah, you told me your favorite Christmas song was Mariah Carey. <laughs> Delmar, right? Tell Not them me. what you told me. Don't lie, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Delmar said that. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure, like, the, the Reliant K's Christmas album just brings me back to uh, my, my adolescence. So it gives me nostalgia. But like, oh, yeah. that, that's, a fun, that's a fun album. Can I end with a funny anecdotal story about um, not knowing your congregation, your first Advent? Sure. So I'm like, hey, we're going to do Advent, and the traditional color is purple. Let's do it. So I like go out and get all the purple stuff we need. And, you know, I'm in Baltimore. During December is football season. The Ravens are purple. So we come in first weekend of Advent, and everybody's like, man, this is amazing. We are decorated for the Ravens? <laughs> and it was such a letdown to be the pastor and be like, oh, man. No, I got to start. I'm not even starting from scratch. I'm starting from like negative to get you away from that. <laughs> so I had to let go the next couple of years of my like my desire to be like liturgically accurate and just be like, let's go red and green, but we'll do Advent anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I would like to say for the record, as much fun as I have calling you guys heretics for not having an in-person worship service on Christmas Day, we spent how many months as a church trying to convince our people that online church still counts as church when the pandemic first hit and i think it is very very silly and hypocritical for churches to say online church is still church except now it's not and it doesn't count so for our context we have people that the only christmas gathering they will have with other people will be at church on christmas morning mm. and so we are going to come and spend time with them and we're going to spend maybe 40 minutes of our christmas my kids will have already opened their presents and it'll be our break between family time and lunch that we're doing Christmas at church. But if churches are doing the online thing, I completely get it. And either church online counts as church like it did during the pandemic or it doesn't. I don't think it's a, I do not think it is a gray issue. If you told your people it counts, it counts. Oh, it counts. Yeah. Um, I will say I, I got in an argument at a conference, a debate a little bit about, um, we were talking about the future of online church and like, um, uh, VR church and stuff like that. And I'm, uh, I, I read the, the, it was called like the, oh man, it's by Tom Rainer. Um, it's called like the post pandemic church or the, I forgot something like that. And I'll, I'll try to find it. That book convicted me, dude. Like I, I and by, by convicted, I mean like I struggle with calling online church, actual church. Um, but I do think like anything in dire times, there's grace to do like out of normal things. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So, uh, so anyways, I would encourage people to read it. Tom Rainer. It's uh, the post quarantine church. The post quarantine church is the book. It's a good book. It's, it's not that very big. It's not very, it's not big. And it will, uh, it will challenge you on that theology of like online church is church. But it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do, like, online service. Like, it, shouldn't, it doesn't mean you don't, like, disseminate your online services. But, like, you, you should be getting people into embodied worship experiences. Um, anyways, anyways, th this, this light conversation about Christmas got really uh, kind of deep at the end. But I love it. Hey, with that and more, Because Christmas is deep, dude. Christmas is deep. Go to practicallypastoringconference.com if you want to be a part of the Practically Pastoring Conference. It's going to be a great time in February. And, you know, it snowed here. It was snowing in Vermont. It, it, you know, it's getting colder, but it will be like 75, 80 maybe in Florida in February. It'll be a good time. With that being said, um, I, uh, I hope you join us on Facebook. Join us on Instagram, all the places. And until next time, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. I'm Andrew Larson. 
and this is practically pastoring. Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.